The Destruction Factor by James Follett with T.P. McKenna, Paul Copley and Rosalind Adams. Episode 4, Bird Strike. Roger Heathrow Tower. This is Trans A501 clear for takeoff. Contact Shanwick 120.6, Squawk 2400. Clearance received, Skipper. Okay, Mike. PA call, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is First Officer Shan speaking. We're sorry about the delay, but we are now cleared for takeoff. Will the cabin crew please take their seats? Gear steering. Fifty knots. Speed building. I have rudder steering. Eighty knots. V one. Rotate. Positive rate of climb established. Gear up. Gear up selected. Landing lamps. Landing lamps up and off. Flaps in, check fully up and in. Check fully up and in. Altimeter set 1013.2 millibars. Set 1013.2 millibars. Set 1013.2 millibars. <coughs> hey, see that bird swarm below? Some flock. Too late. That's hard, Skipper. I'm getting... Fire action number four engine. No, correction. All lights on. Fire action on all engines. None of you have a shred of evidence to support your claim that it was the Exxon strain plants in the climatorium that caused the jumbo to crash. That's why you're not being asked to give evidence to the inquiry. But I saw the whole thing. I was on the admin roof at Elko when Max and Howard opened the climatorium dome immediately under the jet. Those birds were at least a hundred yards away. Do you want your father to be remembered as the creator of a plant that led to the deaths of 253 people in one of the worst air disasters this country has known? If we do nothing, Mr Blowers, it won't be 253 people on our consciences, but 250 million in the first year, another 250 million in the second, and after that, the rest of mankind... An opinion, Miss Exxon. Oh. You've sat in on the committee meetings, Blowers. You know damn well what the dangers are. Unproven, Mr Flinders. That jet hit a giant pocket of almost pure oxygen that rose out of the climatorium when we opened the dome. All four engines seemed to blow up in mid-air. Birds couldn't have caused that. Experts think it's possible. <sighs> Rapid overheating of the combustion chambers. Your attention was drawn to the jet after the explosion when the damage had been done. Besides, the wreckage of the engine fan discs were choked with the remains of birds. Because the jet came down through the bird swarm after the explosion. Save your breath, Denise. He doesn't want to believe you. It could be an election year. The government oh. wants peace and tranquility on the face of the land. We can always publish our own version of the crash. I wouldn't advise it. Oh, why not? Uh, don't forget that both of you and Howard Rogers are serving on a government committee that is looking into the whole problem of the Exxon strain plants. It has discussed evidence relating to the plants provided by government scientists working in government laboratories and has met in government offices. Rubbish. 
We provided 90% of the evidence from my findings. Perhaps, but you might find that hard to prove in court. What exactly are you threatening us with, Mr. Blores? I'm merely asking you to consider the consequences of, to use the legal jargon, communicating information to persons unauthorised to receive it, Mr. Flinders. You'd better have this. It's a copy of the recording made by Tango Alpha's flight deck voice recorder, and this is a transcript of the same recording so that you'll know who is speaking. Now listen carefully, and you'll hear the captain and the co-pilot refer to the bird swarm a few seconds before the tape goes blank. Well, I mustn't take up any more of your time. Think about what I said. Mr. Rogers. What did you do? Hello, Howard. Hello. How did it go? Well, what's upset our little civil servant friend? Oh. I've had an interesting time. Now, I talked to several transatlantic airways engineers. They wouldn't commit themselves... But I got the distinct impression that the below deck's opinion is that it would have to be a one in ten billion chance for birds to knock a 747 off the sky. They took me up on a flight in their simulator. It's fascinating. The whole flight deck actually tips up on takeoff. Why the odd expression? It was a bird strike. Blowers left us a recording. Tango Alpha's flight deck crew saw the birds swarm just before the crash. That's the cassette. We haven't played it yet. Isn't that good news, Denise? Those birds were nowhere near the aircraft. Have you got a tape recorder? Left-hand drawer of my desk. Ah. A blow has threatened us with legal action if we said anything about the possibility of Daddy's plants causing the crash. But he can't. He can and will. Right, standard left-hand seat, graduated fire takeoff, Mike. OK, Skipper. Hold the control column slightly forward of neutral and call me speed building 80 knots B1 rotate and positive rate of According to the standard. transcript here, that's uh, that's Diamond, the captain so speaking. Up on my command. The other voice is uh, one of the Chan, yes, Chan is the co-pilot. Uh, it sounds like the pre-takeoff briefing. Understood. Wind on a bit. So, it was a bird strike. Something doesn't make sense. Who was it who mentioned the bird swarm? Oh, that was Diamond, the captain. Let me see. Yes, here we are. Hey, 
See the bird swarm below. Yeah, well, he didn't sound very worried, did he? No. I mean, if the bird swarm was likely to endanger the jet, don't you think he'd sound much more concerned? Let's play that bit again. One three decimal two millibars. Said one zero one three decimal two millibars. You see, he's merely passing a comment. He knew that there was no danger from the birds. Hey, see that bird swarm below? Sounds right. Oh, it's right. He doesn't sound a bit worried, does he? No, of course he wasn't. The flight deck of a 747 is perched on top of the first-class section. Downward visibility, especially when climbing, isn't marvellous. And yet the captain and the co-pilot both saw the bird swarm shortly after takeoff, which must mean that the birds were a long way off. Now, I've given scientific evidence to many courts and inquiries as an expert witness. And mind you, unless you're on 100% safe ground, a skilled counsel can tie you up in knots with your own facts and figures. Uh, no. Hang on, I've got a layout of the labs and surrounding area here somewhere. Mm. Oh. Now look, the entire Earlco layout, the admin block, uh, my office where we are now, and here, a hundred yards away, Complex B and the Climatorium. And the Climatorium is less than two miles from the end of the runway they were using that day. They're bound to at least listen to us at the inquiry now. now. Two things. First, we won't be invited to give evidence, and second... The flight engineer saw something as well. Now, look, here. His name was Wayne, you see? Uh, that's odd, Skipper. I'm getting blank. And then he was interrupted by the fire alarm. Mm. Hmm? Point taken. See that? Show me. That's old Skipper I'm getting. It sounds as if he was looking at his flight panel or whatever it is flight engineers have no, to look at. No, he wouldn't be looking at it. Not during takeoff. He'd turn his seat away from the panel and sit facing forward behind the co-pilot, wearing a safety harness. Flight deck crews are given full harness, unlike passengers whom the airlines consider safe with a single lap strap. What's the matter? Let me try something. Don't oh, damn that. Now this is it. This is it. Listen. What? Now, what did those noises sound like to you? A sort of metallic noise, a clicking, followed by an electric drill. Yes, the clicking noise was the crew releasing their harness buckles. And that electric drill sound was something I heard in the simulator. The flight engineer has a motor-driven seat that moves on rails in front of his panel. You see, they release their harnesses, push them out of the way... Now, listen again. Listen. And the flight engineer swivels his seat round to his panel and runs the seat along the rails. Now, Denise was right. He was looking at his panel immediately before the explosion and not paying any attention to the bird swarm. He's the one with the engine's performance instruments. And he saw something odd about his readings when the bird swarm was still a long way off. Of course. If the aircraft hit the oxygen bubble, the first thing that would most likely happen is that the engine temperature gauges would shoot off the scale. And that tape is our proof. Very nice piece of deductive reasoning, dear boy. <laughs> and where does it get us if they won't listen? We tell Bloors. And if he won't listen, we call a press conference in the climatorium and blow this whole business of the excellent strain wide open. Yeah. 
Yes, ladies and gentlemen. It is an unusual place, isn't it? Rather like the interior of a planetarium, only larger. It's called a climatorium. Now, in here, it's possible to recreate the weather conditions of anywhere in the world. It can simulate the climatic conditions that existed on this planet before man appeared. Or it can create the ice age that will be upon us within the next 10,000 years. Sunlight is provided by the cluster of high-pressure xenon lights you see hanging from the gantry at the top of the dome. Now, we told the computer that we were entertaining the press. And it agreed to provide us with a warm spring day in the Azores. Oh, Denise, would you like to start at the beginning, please? Uh, yes, of course. <clears throat> My father was a man haunted by a nightmare and obsessed by a dream. The nightmare was the memory from his days with the United Nations of starving men, women and children in the poor countries of the world. And his dream was to see those deprived people fed. Upon his return to this country, he became technical director of ELCO and secured funds to build this laboratory complex, Complex B. Last year, he started work on a new project that was such a closely guarded secret that not even I knew what he was doing. He subjected seeds to radiation and succeeded in producing a plant mutation, a new form of plant life that grows so quickly that it can produce a huge protein-rich crop of seeds from one seed in four weeks. The exon strain, the new miracle food, except that it wasn't. If there are plants in hell, they'll probably be like the plants that my poor father created. Yes, yes, but what, what has this got to do with the crash of Tango Alpha? Please, please, gentlemen, sorry, someone asked, what is this to do with the jumbo crash? Very well. Two weeks ago, at the time of the crash, we had 17,000 excellent strain plants growing in here. The oxygen build-up became dangerous. So the dome was opened, which resulted in a huge invisible cloud of oxygen rising into the still air, right in Tango Alpha's path. Well, ladies and gentlemen, oxygen and kerosene make an extremely explosive mixture. But Tango Alpha is only the beginning. If the exon strain is allowed to spread, it can double the oxygen of the Earth's atmosphere in a few years. How serious would that be? Yes. We'll gradually become hyperactive. We won't live so long. Our crops will fail because oxygen is a deadly poison to all plant life. The whole fabric of our civilization will literally crumble as steel structures rust away to dust. What meat there is will rot as soon as it's killed. And that's only the beginning. The survivors will have to learn to live in a world without fire. But the chances are that natural fires will finish them off anyway. The forest will be destroyed by lightning and will never grow again. You see, Ralph Exon realised that his plants would be the only living things on Earth at the end of the century. Is that why he killed himself? Mm. We don't know. But I do know that Daddy wasn't a coward. He created the Exxon strain and we know that he was desperately looking for a way of destroying it. Can it be destroyed? Yes. yes. If you people can persuade the government to take immediate action, but it has to be immediate. Birds adore Exxon strain seeds. They can sense them from miles away. They swallow them whole and their body heat cracks the seed, 
which enables them to germinate rapidly once they've passed out of the bird's body. Now, we've removed the seed pods from the exon strains growing in here, but the plants still have a strong smell, which is what we suspect attracts the birds. Now, just a moment. Can we have the roof open, please? Listen carefully. Birds. They sense the presence of the seeds. In two months, the main bird migration will start. We have two months to destroy every exon stain plant in the country to prevent it spreading throughout the world. Well? One paragraph on the back page. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, as it's my week for cooking, I'll stop at a takeaway. Uh, that's odd. The story doesn't even mention our names. Mm. Which means the editor's been got at. Uh, which also means that the story will get the same treatment in tomorrow morning. What does four large men in one small car mean to you? Police. I'd wonder if you'd notice them. Oh, I what? noticed them when we left Earlco, and they stopped when I stopped outside the newsagents. Do our police use foreign cars? <laughs> when it suits them. Right. That is it. Uh, Denise, what are you planning to do to those men? Well, I'm not having them sitting on our tail making snide remarks about my driving. She's waving them You're down and they're crazy stopping. crazy girl. Headstrong. Well, I suppose four of them can look after themselves. But uh, why should the law be interested in us? Probably because I ignored this document. Take a look. Hmm. When was it served? Before the press conference. Oh, hell. Well? Police. Uh, it figures. They want to arrest us. Mm. Quite polite, really. The older one has a sense of humour. Protective custody, he called it. We get the custody, they get the protection. What are they waiting for? Well, for me to get the car home, of course. They don't want the bother of being responsible for it. Oh, oh. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Max had this served on him this morning. Huh? It's an injunction forbidding us to go ahead with the press conference. <gasps> yes, as I'm the one named on the injunction, however... You two have nothing to worry about. Uh, nothing to worry about? Have you any idea what they can do to us if they prove that we passed classified information to the press? <laughs> uh, Mr. Blowers, Prime Minister. OK, Edkin, toss him in. A disaster, Blowers. I did my best, Prime Minister. And your best is having them held by the police for three days. You said that it was essential that you had Exxon's papers and that you didn't care what methods were used to get them. Legal methods, Blowers. I didn't say anything about breaking the law. You didn't say anything about not breaking the law. Damn it, I shouldn't have to. Technically, those papers belong to Earlco. Exxon was their technical director and a company employee. If Earlco wanted those papers, their name would have had to have gone on the court order. You wanted their name kept out of this at all costs. How much longer do you think we can sit on the story? A week? Two weeks? How much longer can we rely on editors to cooperate when they're on the phone day and night demanding to be allowed to go ahead? 
I suggest we keep the campaign against the plant at its present level. Posters outside police stations telling people not to take them home? No, we're going to have to do a lot more than that. If that plant is as big a menace as that scientist... Uh, Flinders. Flinders says it is. I've got a plan which I want you to implement, but it's vital that you do everything in your power to keep Erlko's name clean and to avoid a lot of speculation into the reasons for Exxon's suicide. That depends on how much power I have, Prime Minister. It'll be considerable, Blowers. Quite considerable. Someone's been in here. <laughs> Don't be daft. Someone broke in here while we were in police custody. I sensed it as soon as I entered the room. What's the matter? Oh, Denise thinks we've had burly burglars rampaging through the house. She's probably right. All the papers in your father's desk have gone, Denise. Ah, oh, no, it's all right. I locked them in the filing cabinet last week. We've had a cursory look at them, Denise, but they won't help solve the problem of how to deal with the Exxon strain. I mean, your father never got that far. No, I'll see who that is. All I'm right. going to go through them, document by document, until I find out why he didn't get very far yes, and yes, why he was driven to suicide. Come through here. Will you help me, Max, please? Of course I will, my dear. Alfred Blowers, the Prime Minister's personal scientific advisor. He's come to offer a grovelling apology for the three days we've spent manacled to a dungeon wall. I'm sorry I wasn't at the police station when you were released. They uh, looked after you? Oh, his crusts of stale bread were poked through the bars each morning without fail. Shut up, Howard. You'll be pleased to hear that the charges against you are being dropped. Oh, we guessed that an hour ago when the fuzz turned us out. At 3pm, the Prime Minister will be declaring a state of emergency to deal with the Exxon strain... And the press will be authorised to go ahead with the story on the illegal press conference you held. <laughs> there was nothing illegal Hold about... Hold on a minute, Howard. So the government's finally woken up to the dangers. It was aware of them all the time. It just didn't want to be stampeded into premature action. So what action is it going to take now? That's up to you, Mr Flinders. Your name has been suggested as the one to head the campaign to wipe out the Exxon strain. Good luck. As you were the one beating a big drum over the Exxon strain, you were the obvious choice. Right. We'll start with the requisitioning of Erlko's complex B laboratories. That won't be possible. This doesn't involve Erlko, and there are plenty of government-owned laboratories... What the hell do you mean? Of course it involves Erlko. And if we're to beat the Exxon strain, we're going to need that climatorium. It's the only one in the world. All research must be concentrated in that complex, OK? <sighs> OK. I'll arrange for a team of plant specialists to be moved in. It might be an idea if all Exxon's papers were handed over for them to look at. What papers? I understand that he did a lot of his work in this house. Oh, he used to do some work here late at night. Then it's likely that there could be valuable findings. You're absolutely right, Bloors. Looking through those papers will be my first priority. You'll be much too busy, Mr Flinders. And you'll be too busy to stop me, Mr Bloors. You see about requisitioning Complex B, and I'll be in touch in an hour to see about drafting those emergency regulations. Bloors was right. I'm going to be far too busy to go through all these papers. And we don't know what we're looking for. A clue as to why, Dad? Oh, any, any clue, any paper that doesn't make sense. Here's an interesting carbon. A memo from your father, Sir Miles Stratton. Chairman of Elko. Yes. It is vital that you reverse the decision taken by the directors. What decision? Doesn't say, but it's dated a few days before he killed himself. We're going to have to put these papers in chronological order for the... Hello. There's an envelope from Elko Head Office. Memo from Sir Miles Stratton to Ralph Exxon dated... The day before Exxon committed suicide. This must be the last of your father's papers. Dear Exxon, I'm sorry, but the decision by the Board of Directors taken at their last meeting regarding Project D10 is to be implemented immediately. I wonder what he was talking about. What decision? I think I found it. 
Item six on the agenda. It was unanimously decided that Project D10 be abandoned forthwith. Action by Accounts Department. No more payments to be made to cover research costs for D10. Action by Mr R. Exon. All papers, notes, specimens relating to D10 to be destroyed. All specialised laboratory equipment developed for D10 to be broken up and sold. All correspondence relating to D10 to be destroyed. Action by personnel. All research staff working on D10 that cannot be transferred to other projects to be made redundant. So that's why he killed himself. The funds he desperately needed to find a solution to the plant he had unwittingly unleashed on the world had been withdrawn. Hello? Yes, he's here. Um, it's Blowers for you. He's calling from the climatorium. Yes, I'll take it. Yes, Blowers? Are you sure? Well, we never studied the videotapes that carefully. We'll be right over. No, the picture's too blurred. I can't make out any of them. Hold it. Hmm. Starling or Blackbird? They're resident birds. Not necessarily, old boy. Haven't we got a better videotape than this one? Uh, hang on. Uh, let me see. Uh, recorded from camera four with close-up lens. Yes, yes, sir. This one's probably better. Well, let's have it, then. Ah, yes, much better. Hold it. There, top of the picture. A house martin. No, the house martin hasn't got such a pronounced forked tail and swept back wings. Can you play the tape slowly so that we don't lose it? Hirundo mm-hmm. Rustica, the swallow. Stay in the picture. Hmm. Definitely a swallow. It's gone. Run the tape at normal speed. We didn't see if it was actually eating those seeds. Maybe it joined in to see what all the fuss was about. It's eating them all right. It's back in shot. But the swallow is an insect feeder. Look, old boy, I'm only an amateur, but I'm pretty certain that those ornithologists will back me up tomorrow. It's true that the migrant birds are mostly insect feeders, but birds are great opportunists. They'll eat anything going. And it's known that the migrant birds switch from insects to seeds towards the end of the summer to build up their body fats for the long flight south. Well, Blowers, it looks as if you and I had better sit down and draw up that list of emergency regulations for the Prime Minister. In The Destruction Factor by James Follett, the part of Max Flinders was played by T.P. McKenna, Howard Rogers, Paul Copley, Denise Exon, Rosalind Adams. Blowers, Michael Shannon, Craig, Noel Johnson. First Officer Shand, Gregory DePolnay, Flight Engineer Wayne, Roy Spencer, Captain Diamond, Rod Beecham. The production was by David Spencer.